0: Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, we bid you a hearty welcome uh, for another session of OBW Talks. We're at the end of the year here, and in order that we will have a broadcast drop on Facebook, as we have throughout the entirety of the, the OBW Talks, we are pre recording a couple of sessions. In order that through the holidays you can still um, access uh, OBW talks on on Facebook, so hopefully you appreciate that. Uh, now this this Wednesday we've got our final session on the Book of Galatians, and what a what a joy and privilege it was to go through that. But tonight you see a familiar face, and we are so thankful to have our much-loved Brother Holder, back with us. And Brother Joe, seeing your face on screen uh, just lifts my heart, Brother.
1: Good to be here. It's blessing me, too.
0: We are going to, the Lord will, on this session and the, the one following, we're going to try to discuss and to study together a very, very important Bible, uh topic bible doctrine and that's the doctrine of the church and if the lord will bless us and we trust that he will we need the prayers and we need to be prayerful as we study this we want to look at it perhaps from a a vantage point that maybe you haven't considered in the past and trust that the lord will lead us and open open his word unto us because it's important it's really important and how much do we love the church could we could we put a value on it? truly, mm-hmm. put a value on it in our lives. Mm-hmm. So the more that I can know about it, the more blessed i I feel. Uh, right. indeed. So that is our intent tonight, and we're gonna uh, have Elder Holder and Elder Montgomery uh, give us a joint level set on the first part of this discussion. And then next week, Uh, Elder Raul, and I will attempt to uh, do the same to the best of our ability. I'll lean on Brother Mark. Um, Speaking of which, I want to ask Brother Mark to open our broadcast tonight uh, in prayer, and then we'll turn it over to Elder Holder and he to Brother Mike, and then we'll go from there. Y'all be prayerful. uh, Let the Lord lead us and direct us. Brother Mark, if you will.
2: Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for another day Thou has blessed us with. We're thankful for Thy watch care in our lives. We're thankful for Thy providence and Thy guidance and trust that Thou will continue with us uh, each and every day. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to come together and to study Thy Word. Uh, We pray most uh, needfully of the guidance of Thy Spirit (laughs) and a measure of grace to be bestowed upon us that as we go through uh, these verses and and these wonderful doctrines that thou hast opened up to us in thy holy word, that we would take the right steps, that <coughs> our minds would be guided by thee, and that any that are listening and um, participating, that uh, they would be blessed, and that the church would be edified, and most uh, importantly, that thy name be glorified among thy saints, Forgive us of all of our many sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And before we turn it over to Brother Holder, uh, there is one thing that I omitted to, uh, to bring in to your hearing, um, and that is the need for um, abundant and fervent prayer for the Michael Hughes family. Uh, we lost our beloved Elder Hughes. He's gone home to glory. His hope has been swallowed up in reality as he's basking in the glory of the Lord. And we're thankful for that. And yet we know that we need God's mercy and his grace at at times like this. So please be prayerful for uh, his family and the church at Purcell as they, they go through this time. Brother Holder, the floor is yours, sir.
1: Okay, thank you. We're living in an odd time in many ways in Christianity today. The concept of church could well be more ignored and neglected in our time than in any time in the history of Christianity. For obvious abuses that have occurred at times, the word is almost despised and avoided today. Many churches will, will get together and identify their name without even a reference to the word. What does the New Testament teach? How does the New Testament use this word? <clears throat> my three friends, as Mike fondly calls you, the Peanut Gallery, um, <clears throat> tease me a lot, and some of my other friends, because in studying the Bible, we we need to go to Scripture and study it, not take our opinions to Scripture and try to validate them. And One of my major rules in in finding what Scripture really does teach is the emphasis on context. I teasingly say the three dominant rules of biblical interpretation are number one, context, number two, context, number three, context. We should interpret the word in its various appearances in the New Testament by the context in which the word appears. On another side of modern Christianity, there is an opinion or an interpretation or view that every single appearance of the word in the New Testament is a reference to an individual local church assembly. My second set of biblical interpretational rules that, that I try to follow, I believe strongly apply in this case, and that is If I'm looking at a passage of Scripture and a concept taught in Scripture, and I evaluate what I see in Scripture against my view, my understanding, or my opinion, whatever, if the passage says too much or if it says too little to match my thoughts about that idea, I need to put my ideas on the float down the river and I need to go to Scripture and find something that doesn't say too much or too little, but is just right in terms of what the passage says about the topic. Let me give you an example. Uh, My thoughts really focus largely on the book of Ephesians for this topic, probably a book that, that has more to say about this concept of church than any single book in the New Testament. But I want to start with a passage in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 28, Paul's probably farewell message to the elders of the Ephesian church. Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. If we make this appearance of the word church a reference to any local assembly, or even to the global concept of local assemblies, we find ourselves in an untenable dilemma, a contradiction, I believe, We are effectively saying that Jesus died and shed his blood only for people who happen to join a local church. And so, when the pastor gets up on Sunday morning, if there are visitors, Christian believers who are there for gospel teaching, but they happen not to be members of that church, then is he going to stand up and say, I'm not preaching to you today, I don't want you to take anything from this. I'm just preaching to the members of this church. I hope not. That kind of church should die a quick and and painless death, (laughs) Uh, and it will most likely. If we accept what this verse says, the term church is equivalent to those people whom Jesus purchased with his blood. That's broader than any local church, than any fellowship of churches, or all of Christian churches combined. It's far broader. And that's the concept I believe we need to follow. I want to open with, um, a, well, I actually, I want to hold that for a moment. There's a similar passage that Mike has some thoughts on it, Mike, why don't you want you segue into that and and give us your thoughts, please? They're worthwhile. they're they're vital to this study.
3: Well, you put it to me way before I was ready, Brother Joe, but i I take it, I take the ball and I run, and I hope I'm running in the right way. <laughs> and the text in question that, that I think ties into what Brother Joe is saying that he's alluded to, is one found in Hebrews 12, where he talks about two mountains, Mount Zion. First, he talks about Mount Sinai and then Mount Zion. And he makes the comparison between the two. It's interesting. Paul made a comparison between the two mountains in the fourth chapter of Galatians. But here, he tells these Hebrew Christians, and I think it is important to keep in mind that he's writing To Hebrew Christians. Some of what he says, I think, is peculiarly well adapted to what a Hebrew Christian would have been raised knowing and being taught. And it may seem a little out of sync with us Gentiles not having had the schooling that Hebrews would have had had back in that day, especially. But nevertheless, Paul, the apostle, who I believe wrote Hebrews, if you disagree with me, God bless you. Let's just agree that it's the inspired word of God. Uh, but it <clears> makes <throat> more sense, especially in this section, that someone who really knew Judaism wrote this, and Paul really knew Judaism. He starts <clears throat> uh in the uh one, the, the 18th verse. Thank you. The 18th verse, it's talking about what we have what these people had not come to Joe sent me a note before we met from one of his uh, favorite sources for definitions of Greek word. And I believe, I think it's exactly right where he talked about the word coming means not only us coming to something, but something coming to us. <clears throat> and that's a very important principle regarding the church that it's something we go we go to, but it's something that comes to us. And it's just in how you understand the coming to and the coming from that makes all the difference. But he, he tells them what they have not come to. I think we could say they had come to it. And what had they found? They found a system. They found a way of life, a, a practice in worship and in belief that was very, shall I say, terrifying. Uh, when God gave the law to Moses, that's what He focuses on. By the way, in this section of Hebrews, He focuses on that time when God gave the law to Moses. And if you go back in Exodus and you read that, you'll see what Paul means when he when he says about a trumpet and the sound and all this. It's the earthquaking, the, w- the tempest blowing. It's all these adjectives are intended to show us the terrifying nature of that "quote unquote" church back in those days. That, that called out, the, that assembly of people that was before God. And may I just say, it wasn't just the Levites that was there. It wasn't just a part of the nation of Israel. It was all the nation of Israel that was gathered before Moses on the Mount. Now, that's, that's the example that Paul gives of what we, all of us, are not come to. Even if we are Gentile believers, we have not come To that mountain. But may I say, if you haven't come to the right mountain, what mountain have you gone to? Maybe there's more than just the two, but I don't think Paul has in view two or three or more different mountains that you can go to. I realize the Samaritans claimed they had their mountain, but when it all comes right down to it, it's not the physical location, it's not the geography, it's not the bricks and mortars that makes the church the church. It is, as we will see, something far grander than that. So he says, if "I can get to it." In verse twenty-two, this is where we want to concentrate for just a little while. And I, and somebody raise their hand when they say, "When you realize I'm going too long on this, I'll probably lose track of time." So, in verse twenty-two, he says, "But, contrasting to that which you had come to, but ye are come to, it's it's like you're there, but you're still going there." There is a having reached and having not reached, having attained and having not attained. That's the dual nature of the church of God. It is a here, but it's also a not yet. It's a now, and it's also a then. It's one foot in time and one foot in eternity. And and that's how I hope this study will help everybody who listens to it understand that when we go to church... We, we have to understand the ramifications of what we're saying. This is far greater than any local body of believers. So he says, ye are come unto Mount Sion. Now, why did he pick Sion? <clears throat> well, of course, that's the city where, uh, of Jerusalem. It's the city where the temple was erected. It's the city where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. It's the city where the king of the people, the great king David, ruled and reigned. <clears throat> now I do to get your mind thinking about higher principles. And of course, he's not saying the church or the assembly <clears throat> is literal Mount Zion. Some people say that it is or that it will be, but it is. He's speaking of it in a figure here, in, in, in a way that, like he said in Galatians four, an allegory. But <clears throat> it is a city. It is. Uh, As any city, it's an organization. It is a a place that is set and configured in a certain way by the builder of it, who is God. And and now let's let's get a little bit more into the details. He says, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels. Already, we get the idea that he means more than just this earth. He's speaking about more than just this material universe, even. He's not speaking of angels in the sense of God's preachers. He's speaking about, literally, celestial angels mm-hmm. that before the throne of God are thousands upon thousands of his angels. And what we find in passages like I written it out Job 387, "The sons of God, who I think are angels there, they shouted for joy." There is a constant joyous procession in heaven itself, in the heavenly Jerusalem, which is not of this earth, it's above this earth, it's outside the, the time and space limitations of this material universe, where angels stand before and around God's throne, and they shout with joy, and they sing praises unto God. Must be some sight, it must be some sound. Now, and then he continues on <clears throat> to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Now, <clears throat> this is where we're probably gonna have to do some studying. I'm gonna say the general assembly is of those angels, but if you want to say it's of the church, fine. But it it really what it matters is, is that when the church meets, there's more going on than meets the eye. There is a general assembly of these celestial beings of great might and beauty. But there's also the church of the firstborn. And I, I think it's important for us to keep in mind that when we meet as the local church, which this is talking more than local church, we're meeting in a worship service that is perpetually going on in heaven. That's important. I think that's a little bit of what Paul is trying to Im- import into these Hebrew Christians. He says, The church of the firstborn. And it, 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 I think it's easy for me to say the firstborn is Jesus Christ because he's the firstborn of every creature. But I think the context lends itself better to the firstborn, that is, his children, those who are uh, that he has consecrated as chiefs, as priests kings and priests unto God a royal priesthood and you might say well that only deals with the believers among God's people I don't think so I think it's talking about all of God's people well, the church is not just for some of God's people it's for all of God's people because it comprises all of God's people uh but it's it's this uh high frame of mind that we must think about the church of the firstborn which and it says about them, which are written in heaven? Now, I know that some people would like to think those are the believers, but my goodness, you'd really have to be forcing that into that into this text. What does he mean by na- but people whose names are written in heaven? It has to mean the elect family of God. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we're not really left to guess about who the church of the firstborn is comprised of. It's those whose names are written in heaven. It reminds me of the scene when the 70 come back and they tell the Lord, look what we've done in thy name. And what did Jesus say? He said, rejoice. See, I saw Satan as lightning fall to the ground. But rejoice not in this. Rather, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now that doesn't mean their names were written in heaven because they had done something that deserved it. Otherwise Christ would have said, yes, go ahead and rejoice in what you did. (laughs) That's the reason why your names are written in heaven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, despite that, your names are written in heaven. Then let me, I'm almost through here. Then he says, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Let me say this about the just men made perfect in regards to what Paul's writing to them about. He's writing about the the global church, not everyone that lives on the earth or ever has lived on the earth, the the family God. is comprised of people. The church at any given moment in time is comprised of all the children of God that are alive on this earth and the spirits of just men made perfect perfect now what what does he mean by the spirits of just men made perfect well it's certainly not certainly not meaning the bodies of just men made perfect i think he's speaking about those who have died and gone on to be with the lord uh that are god's people you know when abraham died it says and he was gathered unto his people
1: his people
3: and jacob it said the same thing about isaac and jacob <laughs> they he was gathered to his people well that's that's examples of spirits of just men who now because of where they are are made perfect they're complete they're entire they're lacking nothing they have no lapse in knowledge they have a, a a knowledge that I trust one of these days we will enjoy as well but by grace of god so when we meet as the church whether the child of god ever darkens the door of the local church but certainly, when the, the they're a part of the church, they're part of this glo- more global idea of God's gathering of His kingdom. Because sometimes the church and the kingdom equal to the same thing. <clears throat> Why do I say that? Uh, there's sometimes when the Lord uses the phrase "kingdom of God," "kingdom of heaven" to mean something bigger than the church, the local church, or the church that's that exists in that day and age. But sometimes he speaks of the kingdom of God as the church. And I refer to things like when he says, when Jesus said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, then surely the kingdom of God is come unto you. That means it wasn't going to come. It was there, right, then and there. So I I say about the local church that Mm -hmm. it is the public face of the greater church which is comprised, as the kingdom of God is, is the, is the, comprised of all God's children at a given point in time, and, and certainly in triumphant majesty in the resurrection to come, all of God's children, whether they're alive or dead, shall be raised up together and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall they ever be with the Lord. One last thing. <clears throat> he, he talks then about the shaking of the earth. And then he's going to talk about the shaking of heaven and the earth. Well, what I think he has reference to, because he quotes from Hosea, I believe it is, or Haggai, one of the two. He's saying that there is coming a time in Haggai's day, if that's the prophet. In that day, there was going to, he saw prophetically to a day when the Messiah would shake the kingdom as it was then and it was going to remove all those things that caused offense to God. The kingdom that was then was was completely renovated. Now it consists only of God's children, specifically his born again children. There's there's a shaking though that that proves what is permanent and that will last forever. And that is this church that Paul has described in the in 12th chapter of Hebrews. Okay, I have said a whole lot and not really conveyed anything and and probably very jumbled. So you guys, please straighten out all this mess that I've laid before you. Are you serious?
0: serious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mike, there's one thing that needs to be said to straighten out everything you said. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. You did it. Love it. Love every point you make. Golly, I really do. Um, I have one other point to 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 make, and then we we don't want to take this level set too far. <laughs> level set doesn't last the whole hour.
0: <laughs> well, this go one Go
1: to did. <laughs> the book of Ephesians, chapter one, the first appearance of the word. By the way, if you study, there are nine appearances of the word, as I recall, in the book of Ephesians. I want to just hit the one hit it briefly, and then open the, the floor. The first chapter of Ephesians, closing verses of the first chapter, the closing of a prayer that Paul started much earlier in the chapter. And having, this is verse 22 and 23, and having put all things under his feet, the father did this for, with Jesus, and gave him, to be the head over all things to the church, mm. which
0: is, is his, his body. body,
1: yeah, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I love my church. I love the churches in my fellowship. I love many children of God who are interested in other churches. But folks... I worship a Jesus whose body is bigger than that. Right. Amen. Right. Bigger. Right. And I believe that's what Paul is talking about. Yep. I want to give you one quote from an old commentary by John Gill. Primitive Baptists are familiar with Gill. Others may not even like him, <clears throat> but he makes you think whether you agree with him or not. And on this point, I do agree with him. On this church in Ephesians one twenty two and twenty three, pardon me, John Gill writes, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. The Vulgate Latin version reads, and gave him to be the head over every church or all the church. The Ethiopic version, the whole church, which intends not barely professors of religion or a family of faithful persons. Or a particular congregation, in which sense the word is sometimes used. But the whole body of God's elect, the church, which is built on Christ the rock, for which he gave himself. And Mike, he cites Hebrews 12, and which is the general assembly and church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven.
3: I love Gil now. I really like contrast it.
1: <laughs> Between a local church, in some way or another, your identity as a member of a local church body is written in a scroll or a roll of some kind as a member of the church. Paul vividly contrasts not a local assembly, but the general assembly yeah. Yeah. of the whole body. That's written not on a local scroll in a local church, but it's written in heaven. You made exactly the right application. Okay, guys.
2: There you have it. Go.
1: Wow.
2: Wow! Go, on, Brother Mark. You, you know, I feel like uh, I'm a little concerned uh, if I open my mouth that I'm going to hear a voice saying, who is this that darkeneth counsel with words without knowledge?
3: Uh, I already did that, Mark. You're good. You're good. No. You're good. no,
2: <clears throat> no I... Uh, I don't, you know, every time we do this and every time the level set gets laid out, I am so excited. Um yeah. <laughs> because the Lord uh blesses uh all all you guys with some just some great insight and not just insight but the ability to to lay it out in a mm-hmm. way that, you know, a guy like me can can understand mm-hmm. it. Um I really enjoy it. I, I was like, just keep going. Just keep yeah. going. Both you yeah. and Joe, just keep going. You know, yeah. I'll just sit here and listen. It's, this is great. Um, yeah. I, 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 one thought came to mind is, and somebody somebody may have mentioned this, but it was the, the Lord's experience with the uh, Samaritan woman at the right. well. Right, right uh with regard you know acts 2028 20, uh hebrews uh 12 what 18 to 24 i mean um mm-hmm. it really lays that out uh i do feel like the lord tells the same or gives the same message which would make sense right it's his gospel yeah. the same message to that little woman when she said you know, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, you now, know, the, 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 um, the, her experience was that she was raised this, this is the place where you worship, whatever right. you do, don't go to Jerusalem, right? Um, they worship their way over there. We worship our way over here. And the Lord, uh, says, um, uh, oh, hang on a second. Let me look, let me look it up hang the time when the father you know, the father looketh and, for and, such. yeah here we go 421 time, yeah. yeah woman woman away. believe me the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this worship. mountain nor yeah. Jerusalem worship the father then he says ye worship ye you know not what mm-hmm. we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth and the father seeketh such to worship him god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him <clears throat> in spirit and in truth not clinging to the the uh the wonderful teachings about what worship constitutes but looking at the location itself because jesus says it's not here it's not just here it's not just there uh, what what is brought into a Global, uh, a global sense, if you will, is that it requires spirit and truth. Now, Mm -hmm. what Brother Mike went to in Hebrews chapter 12, I think really brings that global sense out. And I believe Jesus Christ, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Jesus Christ is establishing that same global principle of the church. Not to say that worshiping in your local church is not important because it is, Oh yeah. but the realization of when you're worshiping there and I'm worshiping here, we're all worshiping in the same global principle of the church that is so clearly described in Holy Scripture. Uh, and I think Jesus Christ brought that out.
0: That's right. Amen. But Mark, I'm so glad you went there. Um, in Little bit of preparation for the discussion on this excellent, excellent topic. Um, I, I went to John 4 as well, and I I wasn't sure in my mind how I would speak to it relative to the, the topic of conversation. But between brother Joe and Brother Mike and their level set, beautiful level set, it came yeah. clear to me that's that's how I use it, and you just used it. So thanks a ton. Oh. <laughs> Get on with it. Get on with it. You know, let me say this. I I think I can (laughs) say this with confidence. I'm looking at four images on my computer screen, so I'm included in this. Uh, But I don't think I'm the only one it applies to. No one of these four faces I'm looking at loves the local church more than we do. We love the local church. That's my life. (laughs) It is our life. And what a wonderful, abundant life. It is. Uh, it's so important that we, we strive to understand um, what truly the, these three brethren have already set before us and the value and the beauty of it. When we started talking about this topic, you know, I, I'm a, a fairly simple-minded individual. I like to, I get, got to get answers and so I can know which way to go. And I kept asking, why are we talking about this? Why is it important that we even discuss this the distinction, if you will, of the triumphant church and the local church body? Why is it important? Well, I got a news for you. We've just heard in the last, I don't know thirty minutes or so uh, a really good list of why it is important. Brother Mike, when you said what you said that when we come together in a local church assembly that we are, joining in a worship service that is perpetually ongoing in glory. That is a a picture in my mind. I hope I never, ever lose going forward. Mm -hmm. Brother, that was rich because that's what we're doing. That is truly what we're doing. And it's so easy in our, our, our carnal condition, and our, our natural tendencies, if we can't see it with our natural eye, touch it with our natural fingers, and that type of thing, we we tend to lose sight of the of the fullness of the blessing. I love my local church. It is my life, brother Mike. It is. It's our life. Yeah, it's the most important thing that we have while we live here until we get home to glory. Um But what a blessing it is to understand that this is not constructed by man. This is this is not an organization that has just um, come to pass, come together by man's thinking. And there's a lot of that out in the world. And perhaps they'll even use the name church, uh, an association with it for one reason or another. But this this comes from glory itself, A, a, a verse of a song. Hit me this morning, and and I, I it meant a lot to me when I went to the book and I actually read it through. But it it means more even now after what you brethren have said. There, there on eagles' wings we soar, mm-hmm. and sin and guilt seem there no more, and heaven comes down, mm-hmm. our souls to greet and glory crowns the mercy seat i love that song <laughs> i love that song i do i love, I that, love song. that song and that verse <clears throat> to me i don't know to me in my mind in my heart just really brings this this topic that we're discussing and i trust as we continue to in the next week as well it it brings to real tangible fruition of why why is this an important discussion because how many times have we, and I, I want to just say this and then we'll move on. A lot of things I could say relative to both of your your level sets, but you know, we we live our life in the church, we see folks come and go, and um, and, and churches have ups and downs and Perhaps you get in a place in your life where you think, well, I'm just not getting out of church. What I used to get into it, our numbers have decreased. Well, listen, if you understand that you're you're coming together, however many are there, you're a part of the perpetual worship service in glory of the General Assembly. The house is full. And that's why we can say things like, when the Lord's here, we have a full house. Yeah. And that's a true statement. It's so easy to diminish Um, what we really do have by the grace of God uh, while we're here in experience of our life. Brother Joe, you went to Ephesians and I want to just poke at this one thing. I'm not going to go to the verses you went to. You made your point extremely well there, but a little bit earlier in the same chapter, Paul speaks of an, an earnest of our inheritance Brother Mike, you mentioned that you look at the local church as the face of the triumphant. I like that. I like the the image of that. But the local church, again, we do not just construct things from within that we might send them up. We return that which has come to us back unto the Lord. We even do it in our prayer life. We return thanks unto God. And then we, uh, in supplication, ask for the things that we need. Well, in, in the 14th verse of the first chapter, Paul just makes the point, which is the earnest. Well, we got to go back up. I'm sorry, in whom ye also trusted, talking to these Gentiles. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also that a- after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. There is a sealing of authenticity that comes from the king that we can hold to and know we're part of that general assembly as we come together and worship the Lord. And what a blessing that is. And if you look at it from that perspective, it it would truly seem very difficult to be dissatisfied in any way. If you look at it from that perspective which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. The visible manifestation of the bride of Christ has got to reflect the characteristics, the behaviors, the biblical imperatives in scripture that are applied to Christ's bride. The visible bride needs to reflect those same things because Christ is still the head. The body is still submissive. The bride is purchased. And it's all to the praise of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. This is a very important topic. Very, very important. And I'm with you, Brother Mark. I could have sat and just listened to these guys just lay it out as rich. So feel free to continue.
1: Jerry, thank you for a rich prod to an old mind. There is no difference between the earnest of an inheritance and the final inheritance, except in volume. volume. Yes.
3: Quality is <laughs> the same, quantity is different. <clears throat>
1: so, yeah. So is it that rich? What should a church be now? That's the theme we'll be looking at next week. But we need to ask the question: why is this? topic today so important, and you nailed it. You hit it squarely. A church doing the business of church the New Testament way is going to be reflecting the same thing we'll be doing in heaven, not bragging about self and chasing all these different windmills and ideas and and, and what have you, but will be consumed in ministering to hungry, wounded saints and giving glory to him Amen. and praising him for what he has done, not Amen. praising self for what I have done. Oh, that's so important. Yes, sir. If, if we want to be a good church, we imitate what these passages describe. Yes. In our local church. Mm. Amen.
3: Well, uh, just to say my amen, Joe, uh, I say amen. And and I want to just for a minute discuss with you, brethren, the uh seen and unseen aspect of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about an think about an iceberg, not that the church is a cataclysm, <laughs> anything like that, but what do we always say about an iceberg? Yeah what you see is just a fraction of what is there. Now turn that iceberg upside down and you've got what you can see of heaven is the church on earth, the local church. But the real, the aspect of the real thing that makes the church is what we don't see that's up there because there are, the things that are seen, which are temporal, and the things which are not seen, which are eternal. And it takes an eye of faith to see those things. Uh, <clears throat> Next, when when you look at that description in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, as I said, you get the sense that there's a lot more going on than just physical meeting together of people on earth. There's a lot of things that are happening. As Jerry, you, you, you said it. It's a Perpetual ongoing praise to God and the worship of God that we kind of just sink into, (laughs) if I could put it like that. We synchronize to that when we come together. That's why I think the form of worship is so important. It's got to be the kind of form, it's got to be the form of worship that best suits us getting synchronized to what's happening right there as angels praise and the spirits of just men made perfect praise. I believe every child of god who's gone on to be with the lord their spirit is up there awake alive yes. awake and aware with a purpose they have they have a purpose for their existence they may be in this uh, intermediate state awaiting <clears throat> however way that is up in heaven for the resurrection and the glorification of their body but they are as fully actually better worshiping god there than we are here yes. right uh second thirdly if we as members of the church took into consideration what is happening that we can't see as we worship god then we are missing on the awe and wonderment that the church should instill right. within us and inspire within us
0: that's right
3: we live in a day of marvels when we can see that the church when it meets even as a local body in spirit and in truth, Mark, they are worshiping God in a way that is beyond words to describe the profundity of it. It's just magnificent. i I, I give you one example. We talked about this before the call. In uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, he he wrote about the charge that he got. And I'm going to read this text from 1 Timothy 5 and 20-something. <clears throat> and then I'll give way because I think I think this lays out for us what and I hope for the people who are listening a very important thing that I hardly ever give uh, an idea of um in first Timothy 5:21 he's mm-hmm. telling he's been telling Timothy what he should be doing as a minister and how he should be dealing with the congregation and he says in the 20th verse them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear then he says this I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. <clears throat> now I want you to th- want you to consider that he's given three witnesses to this charge that he's just given to Timothy in this letter. I charge thee before God. I think that's the Father. I charge thee before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not just the Son of God, but the Savior, the mediator of the new covenant. But there's a third party to which he witnesses this charge. It's the elect angels. Now, what is he talking about there? Again, angels are sometimes used in the Bible to speak about gospel preachers. But in this case, I think he has celestial angels in mind. What? What are you saying, Brother Mike? I'm saying this that when we are charged, whether we it was said this way or not, whether we understood it this way or not, this is how it goes.
0: Hmm.
3: The, the choicest angels of God, whatever that may mean, the very choice angels of God are called to bear witness to our vow hmm. to serve the Lord without partiality to others. And don't you think sometimes the God visits us with one of his celestial angels Mm. when we have not been true to that charge? I I can say in my life, I felt the rod of the Lord. But there's also been times like this in in Revelations when the Lord says, well done, thou good Mm. and faithful servant. That's a message we all need to hear, whether minister or not, but certainly ministers, especially in those times when you've done the very best you can. Yeah. And it just seems like it's fallen to pieces. So my point in all this, dear brethren, <clears throat> the august nature of the church is discounted. If we do not see this larger image of the church that Joe has brought to our attention, if we fail to see all that's going on, whether and we can't really understand it except to know that it's there, that is happening. And to think that all our loved ones that have gone on before us, they're not looking at us. They're looking at the Lord. They're Amen. not trying to help us. They're praising God. Amen. And I, I'll just say it like this, the best help they can give us is by praising God. Amen. That's Praise right. God. They're praising God. That's what the spirit in you wants to do more than anything else. And if you don't think that's the case, that's because you got all this gunk of the world. <laughs> Hanging all over your spirit. You need the form of Christ once more in you. But I'm telling you, dear friends, this idea of the church is just the local body, and it is, of the church. We should think of it like Paul said when he addressed Hebrews, I mean, Corinthians. The church of God, which is at Corinth. Yeah. The church of God, which is at Snyder, Texas, Mm -hmm. or Bellflower.
0: Yeah.
3: uh, Or Denver, or Colorado Springs, or Kennedale, Texas. We're all the same church, Amen. We're all a part. We're not the it, it, we're not the entire total of the church, but mm-hmm. we are part of the church. Mark, what do you think?
0: <clears throat>
3: Man. I think I'm ready for church.
0: I <laughs> think I'm ready for
2: it. I'm oh, going to go right now. My <laughs> word, these thoughts are just so wonderful. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to try to tread as lightly as I can. The understanding of you know I think we've all throughout our ministry have 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 done what we can to stress just how important the church is, how important the church is to us, how important the church should be to all of those that go that go to make it up. When brother Mike, when you bring to our minds the the eternal aspect and presence of what the church is Hmm. when we go and assemble ourselves together. Uh, number one, it makes me fearful, uh, knowing that, how did you put it? That I have a lot of gunk (laughs) that's attached to my spirit. And I really (laughs) wish I could get rid of that, but I can't, but uh, you know, that experience that we have, the experience, or and the expectation that we have when going to the house of God, that our expectation is that we will worship, and that He will come down, uh, yeah. our heaven will come down, our our souls agree, and and that we will go up into that that very spiritual realm that that our souls so desire in this life, if we realize the. Mm the, uh, the presence of the elect <laughs> angels in the face of God, as we worship, if we realize probably the most, uh, weighty aspect, if we realize that Jesus Christ himself comes in and sits and worships with us, if we realize these things, <laughs> then it ought to be that we can't wait to get to church. Yeah. <laughs> That it absolutely would, that it would become all-consuming in our lives to the extent that when we're not there, mm-hmm. our soul desires that we were there yeah. and that when we are there, our soul desire is to never leave there. yeah that those should come together in us in, in this beautiful way that, that y'all have laid this out to me. Uh, I rejoice right here and right now um the experience of of understanding and knowing and and um and participating in um that by the blood of christ i'm made worthy to go into his house and yes, for a little amen. while it's the only way that's the only um, way you know uh I I'm just I'm ready to go. Um <laughs> I'll holler at Carol here real quick say get the
0: keys we're heading to church. <laughs> we're <heading> somewhere <laughs> we're going to
2: church. <laughs> um just wonderful uh, thoughts, brethren. i really uh, I really appreciate that. Amen, yeah, you
3: know,
0: brother Mike, as you were were talking there, uh, it and even uh, prior to it, I wrote down, consider the faith component that is imperative when we come into the worship service in the local church. You may mention looking at the church the now and the not yet. You're on fire tonight, brother. Yeah, he is. <laughs> the, he is. the The present and that which is yet to come, right? Well, listen, those that's faith and action, yeah. active mm-hmm. faith. So we come together in active faith with our eyes set on something that only through the eye of faith we can see. We we have such a tendency. We I have such a tendency to use the natural view. And I will draw my conclusions, which sometimes because of a life of living in the local church and among the primitive Baptists whom I love dearly, I can construct a very positive image in my own mind and heart and in my prayer just from a natural perspective. But you know what? As with all natural things, that ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. I get up in the morning. I feel great. Let's go. I I get up in the morning. I feel better. Those are the things that we tend to align with, which, in reality, yeah. if we will embrace what has been set before us today, uh, we ought not to limit ourselves and live beneath our means as we should. Uh, the The conversation has made me think of also other things in in my life that Christ's view of his triumphant bride shared with me how they have helped me as an individual, as a church member, a local church member, yes. But what about in Ephesians 5 relative to the dialogue of a husband and a wife Mm -hmm. and the wonderfully ordained institution of marriage that we have that, quite frankly, is, is, is suffering in our society in many ways, and the ripple effects are so detrimental. But consider the view of uh, of Paul speaking of Christ and his church. That, Brother Joe, says too much for the local listener. Yes, assembly. it does. Yes, it does. It says too much, right? Well, and, and then look at the lesson that Paul teaches there relative to the, the relationship that is ordained by God between a man and a woman a husband and wife. Uh, we need that fiber, that foundation in our lives, mm. in our country so bad right now. Yes. Really so is. bad. And the view that God has given us, the view that Paul set before us is the same view on um, of that component, the, the husband and the wife, the family unit, and then the local The local assembly, he's using eternal principle to help us understand how important these things are in our lives. And Brother Joe, if you you feel you want to vet out that fifth chapter of Ephesians a little bit, I think that would be fine.
1: (laughs) I think you just did.
0: I just tickled tickled it.
1: Husbands love your Christ, your 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 wives as Christ loved the church. Did he only love people who are members of a local church? I, please. Yeah. That, that is so diminishing of yeah. the love of God. It's 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 a shame. It should not be. The love of Christ embraced and embraces. Every member of his chosen family, and he gave himself for all of them. The love of a husband for his wife is not about barking orders and demanding submission. It's about loving her so much she wants to submit.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he loves us so much, we need to feel that passion. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, the love of Christ constraineth us. It's not the fear of judgment that should constrain and guide our behavior. It's the love of Christ for me that should constrain and guide my behavior. Amen. That's the model of Christ in the church. Amen. Mm-hmm. Eternal principles guiding and controlling our temporal conduct and the temporal church.
0: Amen. <laughs> Amen. Man. I love verse 27 of, of that fifth chapter. <laughs> uh, I saw something that I had to see before. I'm not sure I really get, understand it altogether. So <clears throat> I got three guys right here that can help me with this. <clears throat> verse 27, that he might present it to himself glorious I had read over that. I can't tell you how many times that he might present it to him. So uh, this is important, <laughs> right? Uh, a glorious church, not having spot, says way too much there, Brother Joe, <laughs> <laughs> or wrinkle, or any, any such, such thing. thing. I just love Paul. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. tells you the truth and then he tells you it again. And then he says, Oh, by the way, in case you missed it, how about this? Yeah, <laughs> amen. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Yes. Amen. amen. To even consider yourself to be remotely associated with, with that verse, it's too lofty for me. Yeah. Amen. It's too lofty for me. And Um, and Jerry,
1: as as much as we love our churches and our home church, there is not one local assembly on planet Earth without spot. A cute story of one of my fathers in the ministry. He was away from home preaching at some other churches in another part of the country. And someone who was very legalistic and very judgmental walked up to him and said, "Elder, is your church in godly order?" And the, my father in the ministry just fired right back, "No, it's not." And he said, "What's wrong?" He said, "I'm a member of it." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem with Bellflower. I'm a member. <laughs>
3: I'll amen that. Yeah. <laughs> the same is true with old school in Mike Montgomery.
0: Oh man. That's it's
1: true really. of all of us. But here's here's what here's a, the image in scripture that fulfills that principle. And we need to never forget that's the example for us as a local assembly. <clears throat> we need to strive yeah. to be more like that one. Amen. Yeah.
3: Amen. Well, if I was to get my closing thoughts, Brother Jerry, I'll just go ahead and jump into this. And,
0: and uh, you know, I, timing probably would indicate that we should do that because yeah.
3: we'll each take about fifteen minutes for our closing thoughts. That's another. Well, you know, listen.
0: I've enjoyed everything you've said so far, so don't disappoint. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, That's
3: this nice. this might prove to be a linchpin for to our next week's discussion. But uh, what my closing thoughts are are. Uh, Directed to what Paul again told his son Timothy in 1 Timothy three fifteen, he says, "But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth." That's true of the church in any age of time. It's the right. pillar. It's perpetually the pillar and ground of the truth, as I say, not of all truth. It's it, it's not against any truth that is true, but it's the it is the repository of a certain truth. Truth, that's right. Yeah, and he tells us what that truth is in the next verse when he says, "And without controversy, yes. great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh." That's one of the truths the church. Is the pillar and ground thereof as Joe told me last week it is the it is the support the undergirding it's the structure it's the basis by which the church is is able to survive and thrive in any age of time. Uh, so there is a certain ground marked out by the by the truth of that the church of that truth and we want to stay in that zone I think, but I want to direct your thoughts to one more verse that ties in with the idea of house of God. It's our beloved friend Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, who on his way to where he would he would ultimately meet his soon-to-be two wives and uh, Laban, I believe his father-in-law, he spends a night out in a place that will... I think eventually become known as Bethel, the town of Bethel. And he has a dream while he's asleep. And he, he has that great dream about a ladder that stretches from earth to heaven and angels ascending and descending. Now the Lord takes that, that dream and that example, and he says, he is the ladder. And that's a whole different subject, but this is what I love about what Jacob said. I've misquoted it for years. He says, uh, how dreadful is this place? Surely God was in this place. I, I I've always said was. It doesn't say was. It says surely God is in this place. And then I want to read it to make sure I get the <clears throat> get it accurately stated. It's in Genesis 28. And he says, <clears throat> um, uh, where did I say it was? Is it in 28? Oh, yeah, he's he's fled. He's fled. Jacob, in the 16th verse of the 20th chapter. And Jacob waked out, awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Now keep that one in mind. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of Heaven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never have focused on that last phrase, the gate of heaven. But what did Jacob just find out about the house of God? Mm -hmm. It is the gate of heaven. Why? Because it's a part of the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. I maintain that what Jacob is getting at is he saw a vision of heaven in the house of God that he wouldn't and had not seen hitherto, and would not see any other way but there in that place. Now, the place that I'm talking about is not a place of geography. It's a place of the Spirit. It's a place of, of a concept carved out by by Christ. Remember, if you want that foretaste of heaven, like Brother Jerry's talked about, you know where you'll find the foretaste of heaven? In the place that is the gate, gate of, heaven.
2: of heaven. Amen.
3: It's the gate. of. Never forget the church the little old local church even, is the gate of heaven. Mm. And I tell you what, Mark, that'll make you want to go to church.
2: I'm telling you, brother. If I get
3: to see heaven and commune with God in heaven and, whoo.
2: Mm.
0: I'm done. Thank you very much. Oh, man. All right. You didn't disappoint. No, he didn't. I tried. That's good, <clears throat> good Mike. That's good. Brother Mark, you got any uh, thoughts to... Share as we bring this to conclusion. Uh, I've got a few, but I'll I'll just
2: <laughs> I'll try to pick one. Oh, so we got time? go for it, bitch. okay? I'll use two. So the first one is a quote from the Psalms that Paul uses in Hebrews chapter two. I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the church will church. I sing praises unto yeah, thee. We, so there is Jesus one. Christ coming coming down as we're going up and he sits and sings praises to God right in the middle of the congregation. You know, that just gets all over me in the best of ways. Um <laughs> that and I believe we we know that experience. I don't think that's a hidden experience to the to the worshiper. I don't think Jesus comes down and sings and the worshiper doesn't know he's there. I believe the worshiper knows he's there. I think the very felt presence of the savior in the midst of the congregation is something that each worshiper uh experiences. Now, Brother Mike went to Genesis chapter 28, talked about Jacob, what he saw, what he experienced, gate of heaven. The apostle Peter in the second epistle that he wrote in the first chapter goes through a a litany of items that uh, we are to add to our faith. He says, if, if if we don't do it, we forget that we're purged from our old sins. He says, but if we do it, and he makes this statement, it says, and so shall an entrance be ministered abundantly into the everlasting kingdom, kingdom of yes. our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That brother Mike, if I'm not deceived, that's what Jacob not only, not what not only what he saw, but what he experienced.
3: Oh man, that's good. The
2: gate of heaven. That's an entrance abundantly ministered Ugh. unto us into that everlasting kingdom. There is us. I believe there's the church coming down. There's the church going up. There's the church meeting going into that entrance and experiencing that gate of heaven. Um, no wonder Paul said he heard things that's not lawful for man. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. All right, I'm stopping.
0: Oh, good
3: stuff, that, bro.
0: That is really good stuff. And and brother Joe, you get ready because I'm going to make uh, really mm-hmm. just a one brief. A statement I've, I've had more than my say tonight and this study has just en- it's enriched my heart abundantly yeah. uh, the things that we've we've discussed um, and grill a real impact that it's had on me is we talk about being members one of another all of the time we go to scripture we we hear Paul's teaching in that regard and uh and we feel a um a kinship and a union with that. And a lot of times we use these terms and they just become the type of speak that we have without right. really understanding right. what, what's involved. To being, being members one of another, being blessed to be the face, <laughs> Brother Mike, I love that, the, the face of the triumphant, uh, it, it speaks to our kinship. I I love the three of you because of my experience with you. But I started loving you way before I knew you (laughs) because of our kinship. Yeah. Yeah. Our love in Christ, it it just defines love. It it truly, by its design, is to. So as a local body, think about how you feel when you hear, oh, there was a baptism at old school. Yeah. Or... Or, or there was there was uh, you know, a, a wonderfully spiritual event at Bellflower, uh, or and you hear it, and our carnal nature would say, "Why them, not me? Why them?
1: our
0: <laughs> our kinship rejoices in?" We life. should. We should always rejoice. It right. joins in with the rejoicing that's already going on. Yep. Perpetually. Yep. Amen. Or, we are members one of another, and we are members first of the family of God, amen. Church of the the general assembly, (laughs) where members there. Oh, that we would allow that to impact us as we should. Brother Mark, I'm gonna join you. Where are you going to church tonight? Because I'm gonna get there. (laughs) So come on, come on, we'll meet halfway.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've got the Charles Martin up. We'll meet we'll meet we'll meet at Ordway.
0: There you go. <laughs> Brother Joe, bring us home. Okay.
1: Well, I I had something completely different. And Mike, you piqued my interest oh. <laughs> on Genesis 28. this study, to my surprise, has reminded me of. Angels and their involvement in our worship. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for that. Thank you so much. In that passage, in the same experience Jacob had in Genesis 28, he had something else in that dream he had. He saw a ladder. Yeah. Right. Connecting heaven and earth. Well, that's interesting. But in the closing verse of John's Gospel, yes! chapter one, Jesus explains the ladder. Oh, that's great. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending Send. and descending upon. Here's the ladder. The Son of Man. Right. Ah. The Son of Man. What do angels do? They're not mystical, ethereal halos and wings and feathers. <laughs> Hebrews chapter one defines their purpose. What do they do when they get here? Why do they come? They all come and go through Jesus, there's no other yes. vehicle. But, what do they do when they get here? They minister to the heirs of salvation., hey, yeah man. That's broader than church, mm. but yes, there is a special manifestation yeah. yes experience yes. in church right. My what goodness. happens if we start thinking when we gather at church? those empty pews are occupied. <laughs> My angels. Yeah, yeah that's it good. It should, yeah, should that's change good. the way we think. We got a full house. The way we <laughs> act in church. My it goodness. It would be a whole lot closer to the New Testament model, which should be and it always should imitate that eternal principle we've
0: discussed.
3: Amen.
1: Amen, Mike. Thank
0: Which
3: you. things Mike. the angels desire to look into. Oh, look
0: into. <laughs> yes. I mean, wow.
1: wow. Wow. We have the blessing of something even angels don't fully understand. Isn't That's that right. amazing? That's right. that. Isn't that amazing? It is. Uh, it's, it boggles the mind.
0: It My mind is thoroughly <coughs> boggled. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a study, brothers. Mm. My goodness. Uh, Brother Bart, I don't know how in the world we're going to approach level setting the next session, but by God's mercy, we will do our best. Oh, you'll do fine. And, <laughs> uh, you'll do great. Th- this discussion tonight, truly, truly, if not deceived, highly blessed of the Lord. I'm so thankful for it. Let's thank him for it as we close this broadcast and, um, and bid uh, farewell to our listeners. If you'll bow, I'm going to try to try to pray merciful, loving Heavenly Father, how do we thank Thee? We we pray, Lord, You just look upon our heart at, at this moment that Thou mightest know how truly thankful we are for Thy love and for the light that Thou bestows upon us as we consider and look into Thy Word. So Lord, we're thankful for this study tonight and the things that we have felt and the things that we have heard Lord, um, would would thou just bless it with thy grace that it would find lodging in our our minds and in our hearts that we would truly have a better understanding of the great blessing that we have of being a member of thy church, Lord, and that we would live every day of our life as a a member of the local body that we are blessed to be a part of and recognize that the blessing truly comes from thee. Lord, all of our hearts desire is that we would walk worthy of our vocation before thee, that in some way, Lord, we would thank thee for thy mercy and thy grace, that thou mightest know that we truly love thee to the best of our ability. And by thy grace, Lord, we we ask that you would just be merciful unto us and, and lead us and guide us through this path that we have before us in this life. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Overlook our imperfections. We confess they are many. And we just ask that you would look continue to look upon us through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 We'll say good night until next week. Happy holidays, everyone. Yes, Bye. Merry Christmas.
3: God bless.